Welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. Um, I, my name is Tala and I am back on the hosting chair. I'm joined by Sean and Cooks. And as unfortunately happens with us for um, Rugby Bits people, we can't all be in the same place at the same time. But we have a lot of rugby to go through. We have week four of the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. We have our last 16 uh, matches set up and we're going to talk through all of that and, and, see how, and talk about especially how the South African teams performed this weekend. But as always, we do start with our first phase, um, which is an interesting one of where you had to try to make a combined um, 15 with actual club combinations. So you had to, and you could only use one club or franchise once. So you'd have to go one front row, uh, one combination front row, one of the locks, one of the Lucy's, one of the halfbacks, one of the midfield and one of the back three. So Sean, I would assume that you since you came up or you you put this we posted this one, you would have the one and probably the best one out of out of all of us. Um, I definitely didn't. Um, hi, everybody. Um, I, I most certainly didn't. There was a couple I posted one on our chat today. I think it was Andre Hill, which Tyler, I'll let you jump on later. Um, Andre's one was was brilliant. Mine, I just wanted to get it going and I was um kind of faffing watching rugby on the couch and then putting it together. So I didn't put it the best one together, but that just allows everyone else to, to do better. Um, <laughs> but the one thing that I, I, I was trying to do and I couldn't do it for some reason. And then I forgot um, to do it, but my front row, one of the best front rows and one of the front rows that I love and wish I could have seen more of, was the Northampton Saints front row of Mujati, Hartley, and Tongahua, who played in the Premiership and played in the Champions Cup. Those three as a front row were beasts, beasts. And I can't remember why I didn't, because I initially put them in and then I had another Saints. And then you know what it's like when you put these things together, you, you, you kind of chop and change and you're like, oh, I've doubled up somewhere, let me remove something. And then you end up changing the whole thing. So, so yeah, I, I didn't put the best one in, but we got some absolutely brilliant ones. Indeed we did, Sean, and you have um, preempted, I think, some of them already. So let us go first to Andre Peel's one that you just mentioned, which... Oh, straight um, to first place, eh? the- <laughs> We'll have to see what the standard is, I think. Um, so he has a front row from the Stormers with um, Kitzolf, Dweber, and Malherba. His locks are from Saracens, which is Etojan and Hugh Tizard. His loose forwards are from Leicester. I'm sure Cooks will love this. Liebenberg, Tommy, Tommy Turnover, and Jasper Visa. Nine and ten from the Crusaders, Drummond and Richie Monga. Um, and Ulster, the, the midfield, which is Stuart McCloskey and James Hugh. And then the back three from La Rochelle, which is Raw, Late, and Brice Dulac. I yeah I, I I count at least six players that I absolutely really really like and that 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 uh, you can't really beat that. Uh, it, it's brilliant though. Like it's probably not first choices if you're looking at like World Fifteens and stuff like that. Like you'd probably want to change a few here and there. But in terms of of putting that together, just also the way it looks, the balance and and how they look like they they could probably perform together, I think would be brilliant. Imagine Itoje and Liebenberg, sorry, Itoje, Liebenberg, Raphael, Raphael and Visa all together because Itoje is an, an additional uh, additional flanker as well. 
Like, it's madness. And then you've got Dweba and Kitsov dominating too. It's childish. Yeah, I think that those combinations, just the backline as well, having Wonga play with um, Schumann Mikroski as well is just actually sickening. Um, I think and, and we'll talk about the other few, but let's bring Cooks onto this. Cooks, yeah, I think there's maybe an idea you can steal for the SA20 where you can put on an opening pair, middle order, lower order, and the bowlers and together from the different teams. Listen, I'm going to steal this idea and then I'm going to, and I'm going to <laughs> trademark it so I can get all the fun and stretch into, into the into the rugby with the guns just to just to make sure that um, what do you call it? Just to make sure that um, we uh, we get we all the royalties for this. But um, I I tried to go um, uh, obviously current teams as well. That's issue one tried to go all time. Um, I went front row and all the Stormers front row. With obviously Kitsi, Dweba, and Malherba. And then I said Locks, I want the Bulls and Vermark and Nokia. Loose Trio went Crusaders in Matera, um, Matera, Grace, and Christie. And then Halfbacks, I mean, it's Toulouse, it's kind of hard not to go against the DuPont and Tamak. And then Centers, I went Lanster and Henshaw and Ringrose. And then the back three is same as, as the Andre Kill with um, La Rochelle. Yes, it's that dangerous man. Oh. No, they, I don't think there's any um, wrong answers here. So I'll read out a few from our, from our dirt trackers. We have um, Ndaba, Ndaba with his um, combination. He has the Sharks front row, which is Ox, Bungi, and Thomas Dutoy. The Leinster Locks, which is interesting. James Ryan and Jason Jenkins. Bulls Lucy's with um, uh, Eskom. And then Al Khlo and Nizam Kar. And then the halfbacks, he has the Toulouse pair of DuPont and Tamak. Um, Exeter midfield with only DeVote and Henry Slade. That's a bit of a throwback, I think. And then the back three from the Stormers, which is Zas, Blomikis, and Damien Willems. I guess Clayton Blomikis is playing 14 in this. But the nice thing with the Stormers, you can probably pick about four or five players with the likes of Davids, um, Hartzenberg, and, and Sanatla also in that back three. So that's quite a serious team there. That's a proper, proper side. <laughs> I love your comment about the Stormers. You're right. I mean, you can pick up this. How many guys can play in the back? You can probably throw a minor pocket fullback if needs be. Yeah, and Sasha and Gomezuna can also do a job there at the back. Let's go three on low, a friend of the show. He has an Irish front row um, instead of the back three, which is Priso, Bogaret, and um, Antonio, which is... <laughs> Close to one of the best scrum, scrums and front row scrummages in the world. Then Willemse and Janza van Rensburg get from Montpellier. The Lions, of course, Rian's a big Lions fan. He has Creole Whiteley and Tecklenburg, which is more of a, a throwback, I guess. Then um, Paul Devet and Mani Lebok uh, at, at, at halfback. The midfield of Nonu and Conrad Smith. Monon and Conrad Smith are probably the standard of midfields um, throughout the course of time. And then I think a bit of the streets won't forget um, back three, which with Digby Ioanni, John, John Lance, and Rocket Rock Davies, you, I think that's definitely for, <laughs> for people of a certain generation, one of the best loose, um, back threes you can pick. 2011 Super Rugby Champs. I tell you, the back three are... You can't are... go wrong with Rocket Rock Davies. Incredible nickname. Oh. Incredible oh, nickname. Right. <laughs> That guy had gas to burn. But gas to burn was ridiculous. I thought he'd be around for a lot longer. Um, 
he did make a little comeback. But in terms of the back three, it was a it was a tough one blame. between that that Just Reds option. Just blame we love you for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. the 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 back three was a throw up between that Reds one. It was a toss up, but then the other one, which came back, which is a throwback, but is the Hurricanes back three of. Lomu on the left, Christian Cullen at fullback, and Tana Umang on the right. Yeah. <laughs> now there, there's a back three. Yo, imagine, imagine <laughs> that with the Nonu, with the Nonu and Smith midfield. <laughs> <laughs> now that's actually that's actually disgusting. You can't oh, do something man. like that. And then Gregan, Gregan Larkham nine ten. Oh yeah. Actually, it's the nice thing with some of these combinations is that they're both obviously legendary combinations in domestic and international rugby. So, Regan Larkham, Nanu Smith, like two of like the strong combinations. Modern times, I guess you can say uh, Henshaw and, and uh, Ringrose are probably a, not legendary yet, but a very good combination that goes from club rugby to international rugby too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then, so, Karishaw? Yeah, I, I, no, no, chat, because I want to do highlight one that Gareth Hunter sent through. I was going to say, yeah, you are right. I mean, then you look at someone like DuPont and Tamaku have the potential to be in that Gregan Larkham if they mm. carry on the momentum that they've started with at the moment. So it's Club interesting for these combinations. Too, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Club and country. With the, yeah. I mean, they already won in Europe, so now it's transitioning to to the World Cup. I mean, I mean Larkham, Gregan won Super Rugby and World Cup together as a combination so those two just kind of need to just need to win a world cup now yeah that's uh that's amazing um tyler are you sorry i, I thought that we were wrapping that up that's why when i saw gareth's one but you must please sure. talk about it because that's that's another great back three i think i'll go through just two more so gareth hunter's one a bit of more of a throwback this is closer to an all-time one front row talking about front rows that play together at test level um the Old Sharks front row of Beast Bismarck and Yanni Duplessis. Second row from the Bulls of Bucky's and Victor Madfield. Loose forwards. Not sure if this is accurate because I don't think um, Matt Todd, McCaw and Reed actually played that much together. I think they had, um, you know, maybe more of someone like Taufua playing at six. But, no, that's a conversation for another day. Halfbacks, Regan and Larkham. Centers, Nana and Umaga. Outside backs. Actually, also another one. I'm not sure if they played together. Joe Rockathoko, Rubeni Thathau, and um, Doug Howlett. Do they, do they play together? Oh, we're just going to oh. have to say yes. I don't think they did. did. But Rupini, Tatani Booker, oh, I'm just so glad he made it on. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, do you, when I saw this, it just it, it almost gave me bad memory. But do you do you remember the carnage and and the thoughts, the, well, the fear that that Rokotoko put into Springboks whenever he was named to play against them? He always was that guy for me. That you, like no matter what was happening in the game, like he could wiggle around somewhere and go beat someone and score. It was effortless against the Springboks from him. I hated it. Hundred percent. Thank goodness that Freddie Dupree decided to end his career in 2009. With, but before, <laughs> it, it took us so long to realize we could catch a high ball, like, like 50 tests later. <laughs> slow learning, slow learning. Pick one, Cooks. Does the Howlett curse work in, in these combined um, 15s? Of, of course it does, Tyler. The Howlett curse is <laughs> raining strong. Will Jordan better watch himself. 
<laughs> and then uh, let's go to Jared's one. Also um, pretty much the same um, front eight from the previous one, but with the Villiers and Fury from the Stormers. Remember that when um, Jacques Fury came to the Stormers and that sometimes they would also put in um, Jean de Jong in the same back line. That was crazy. And then the back three of Habana, Mitchell, and Halfpenny. Uh, Francisco Isaac has um, been a bit of a different one with um, the front row from Racing, which is Goga Giashvili, Shatnan, and Trevin um, Yakane. Actually, they don't, I don't think they've been doing too well in the, well, they haven't really won in, in the Champions Cup, but they haven't been doing too well in general. Then Osprey's um, mid, um, second row of Beard and, and um, Alan Wynn Jones. The Leinster back three of Conan, Doris, and Van der Fleer. Dupont and Tamak. And then the midfield of Roger Turivasashek and Nico Ioani. That's definitely for Sean. And then the back three from the Crusaders, Severis, Leicester Fanganuku, and Will Jordan. So I don't know if that back three is going to get any ball. Um, if, 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 if they have Rico Yoni at midfield, though. We need to block him. Who, who <laughs> sent that? Let's block. We can send a message saying, listen, I apologize. You have been blocked, and the reason why you're blocked is because you picked Rico at 13. Thank you and good night. Just, Maybe put him justice. on like a month, month cooling off period or something. Hashtag <laughs> ju- justice for Rico Yoni. And then I'll just wrap up with my one. Um, I went with the Toulouse front row of Bay Marchand and Famuina, Crusaders locks of Scott Bratton and Sam Whitelock, Leicester Lucy's, the Toulouse halfbacks, the Lynn. Oh, okay. You know, I actually did this. Now I remember I did this with um, when they, because I saw that this tweet came up from a few years ago, but I did it with like multiple combinations, unfortunately. So oh, I repeated on Tyler. Toulouse and Leinster. I'm sorry. So okay? disappointing. So I was ahead of the curve, but I didn't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was Finish. one of those like... I want to hear. I want to hear the rest of it. Well, okay. So it was Toulouse at that halfback, centre with the Leinster, um, Henshaw and Ringrose, and then the back three was Panganoku, Reese, and Jordan. It was, um, I think Daniel Gallen was asking, what's the best possible 15 you can make from um, different combinations, which is a little bit different to the question that you asked, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, there's... I tell you, Ringrose, Ringrose is playing some incredible rugby at the moment. Oh my goodness, he's playing so well. It was I... Mr. Mr. Tyler said that he's not the next O'Driscoll, and Ringrose has gone right in the way to prove him wrong. <laughs> every, every, in, I don't think I understand. Insert, every, every... insert Michael Jordan gift where it says, I took that person. <laughs> every <laughs> Irish player that we've abused on this... Um, on this on on this on this on this podcast they've they've turned into superstars. Remember when Jared was a big fan of Flair dig and he goes up and he's the worst world player of the year. Now Ringrose is he's uh, he's calming it up because we stop attacking Irish players. Because they yeah, fuel yeah. the fire. So Ringrose is nice, ridiculous at the moment. You're saying nice things yeah. about Ireland from now on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Listen, Tala, did I don't know if you watched the Toulouse game last night. Did you see Cyril Bow get absolutely folded i've never seen a prop oh. get bent so badly i thought he what might happened? have been mate uh, flipman i can't remember who it was now um, it was an odd time who... coombs no 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 folded in the scrum oh um, okay mate he he was flipped back where his legs and and lower half of his body was still facing forward to scrum but his his chest was looking up at the sky like he was fault into a u i must find the clip for you it was ridiculous. 
I was, I've never in my life, I said, I've never seen him get monstered in a scrum, but I don't think I've ever seen a prop, no matter how, how good or bad get, get done like that. So I'd love to know what happened. That's yeah. obviously not an area. Many people know too much about and That's me included. Well, if BJ Porter was to come onto the pod and explain those things to us, he's definitely more than welcome to. Um, yeah. I think let's transition now to the Champions Cup as we're speaking about it. And in the final round of um, of the group of the group stage has happened, and we now have our last sixteen of both the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup. We're not going to go through each and every one of the results. We'll talk about some of the last sixteen matchups that we have, but we're going to focus on the African teams first. We'll start with um, the, the 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 team that played on Friday, which was the Bulls. They went away to Lyon and they brought, you know, some of, you know, um, Willem Strauss's like cousins and, you know, people that are related to Jake White's brother, his wife and all that sort of stuff to the team. That is, I'm completely joking, but they definitely did bring <laughs> a bit of a mix on the first and the second team there. And they played like a third team, to be honest. But yeah, Lyon took care of them quite easily, 31 points to seven. There was... A bit of a threat that the Bulls would not qualify for um, the last 16 because of this result, but things still went their way and they have booked themselves a nice trip to, 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 to lose um, in the last 16. But Sean, just in terms of the game, I'm not too sure if there's anything really to um, talk about from a Bulls perspective. Um, just they didn't really seem too interested about the result, to be honest. Yeah, I unfortunately couldn't pick up the game live, but... It's one of those times where it, it, it's the lose the battle to win the war kind of situation. Is the only way we're going to, you, you can justify what's going on. I think it's more about Jack White's building up squad depth. He's um, managing players. I know that, it, that, it, that he kind of got egg on his face when he did it in the URC um, and came back and took a pasting from the Stormers. But it would be more along those lines. I'm very interested to see how they deal with Toulouse away in the next round, like uh, which is only at the end of um, at the end of March. So I'm I'm not sure what will happen there. I hope they send a, a full strength side, but I could easily see them not. Um, to beat Toulouse at the Ennis Wallon is going to be something quite. You get, it's going to take something quite special, especially um, because they're they're hunting another star. So, yeah, in terms of the result, not great. I think everyone climbing into the bulls is probably. It's, it's, I think it's more of a passion complaint, like they're passionate about the bulls and they want the bulls to win everything because South Africans want to win everything, and we slowly need to get into the idea of we're going to have to sacrifice a few things along the way. Sometimes the youngsters will do well. Sometimes they won't. Uh, this is the they won't time. But in the future, it'll bear fruit, I believe. No, hundred percent, Sean. I think yeah, it's it's one of those things where they may have lost the may have lost the battle, but they've won the war. But I just think you know, just looking at the game, like just in a vacuum, it's just not fun to see the Bulls get dominated like that, especially up front. And it's just like you you, you kind of think that. That's sort of a blue, let me choose a pun, but it's the blueprint they sort of have that whatever side they do play, at, at least you, you'd expect they pack, sort of stand up and not just get drilled like that. Was, and watching Leon almost have their way with them was like, it, it did feel like what tell us like a third team was played. And I, I, no, who knows with Jake, I mean, when he gets back, I mean, he, they, they could send that same side to Toulouse. 
Yeah, we don't know, but I just, I just, just don't want to see them. It's kind of fun, like they just rolled over and, um, and mm, sort of let Leon mm. have their way, especially, especially up front. I mean, I mean, I know the Bulls may not be rugby now, but I mean, I, I just, it's, I just, I can't remember seeing a Bulls pack just, just lifeless. It looked felt like. Hmm. And and Leon, Leon are a side that you'd look at and you'd expect the Sharks, the Storms, and the Bulls to win home and away. That they they're 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 good. They're not great. Um, I don't think like you, Tyler, your amazing setup of when we, how you categorize things in tiers. I think Leon would probably be in that second, that third tier. You know, so they're definitely beatable home and away. So the Bulls fans and South African fans will definitely look at that going their massive points were given away and they should have been taken. But that's, as you say, when you look at it independently without the bigger picture, you know? Yeah, and I guess the the big thing is that they've, they had the opportunity to, to host at least the last 16 game and they pretty much took it away from themselves um, by just, and it's not like the team was actually that weak. I mean, there were some players that were sort of strategically rested or put off, or they're coming off the bench like the, the Jan Kroblas and Ron Lockyers. But it just seemed like from first minute that there is almost two teams, that there is the Bulls that played Loftus who are absolutely unbeatable. And then there's the traveling Bulls who are, you know, just a, a little bit of a different version of themselves and they can't really get into a game and really get that power game going. So especially with the, the conditions. The traveling wool, the bully, the what, the Wilburys. <laughs> oh, no, I completely they... pooed that. I tried to get the Wilburys <laughs> in, but with the bull, but I've completely destroyed oh, it. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing there. And look, yeah, no, um, I know, thankfully. I know, I know Jake White's been complaining about the travel and also just a note to say that congratulate all like, yeah, we wish Jake White all, of, all the best with his recovery. I think, from the last update that was made, he's going to probably come back in early Feb and he's had a successful surgery after having a, a little bit of a, an issue with um, some stomach cramps, but all good for him and it seems like he's going to be back to full fitness very soon. So yeah, maybe it also was a factor that they didn't have their head coach um, traveling with them in this trip. So that also took away some of their steep. But yeah, so this weekend will be a big weekend for the Bulls in terms of the URC um, prospects. They're playing the Scarlets. It's a winnable game. It's probably the last game that we'll see um, currently Aronsa for sure, but maybe even um, the likes of, you know, the the people that are that tier below in the, in the Springbok setup, like the Lows and the Juan Horsens and the Ronald Tiers, they also might be rotated and rested for the, for the, for the domestic derbies. So the Bulls probably need a, a, a nice win there against um, Scarlets if they want to maybe still ca- keep up with the Stormers or just secure their positioning in the top in the top four for the URC. But um, Quixen, uh, Quixen, I'll start with you. You did mention that um, the Bulls are facing Toulouse um, in their last 16 games, so they're playing them away. Yeah, there's not too much you can say about that. Toulouse are probably one of the most informed teams in the competition. Um, and they and you playing them at home. What what hope do the Bulls have in terms of beating them? Can they do a miracle at 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 Toulouse like they did in Dublin last year against Leinster? Yeah, well, it depends which Blue Bulls team rocks up. I think that's been the the theme of their season this year. Like they have not been able to sort of show the consistency they showed outside 
this time last year. I think, I mean, it's hard to write them off. I think like if their pack is playing well, they'll need to play well because I mean that's I mean the Toulouse pack is is you know, it's an incredible pack. So I, that, that's my biggest hope for the Bulls. I mean, we've seen them go to Dublin and make things very uncomfortable for Leinster. And I think they can do the same to Toulouse and and not. You've got to find a way to disrupt Dupont to sort of getting back into some good form. I know Toulouse were. I mean, and they're, they're very much in form now, but I mean, like DuPont and Tomaco, he's coming from injury, but they weren't playing as well, but now they seem to be clicking into gear. And um, yeah, I think the Bulls have got to sort of try to find a way to turn them around. And um, But I do give them a chance. I just think if they are on it, and it's hard to write off Jake, um, he's, he's almost also in that Eddie Jones phase. And in one game, Jake, if he does have time to plan for you and put together a game plan, he can sort of, come away from France to the win. Sean, I think I, I would say that maybe the Bulls aren't the best team. It's funny because they they obviously historically are a big, you know, team of bullies, but the Bulls today probably won't won't be looking forward to dealing with some of the, some of the big fours that Toulouse has. I mean, the likes of um, the Richie, the Arnolds, the Miafus, the the Bays. You know, those sort of big boys that are they're gonna face up front. You know, the Bulls just don't have the strength of the tight five that maybe the Sharks or the Stormers do. Yeah. I, I'm gonna straight out say that I don't think the Bulls have a chance of of rolling in there them there. Um I think tactically, um they're probably a little bit a little bit better because they're a little bit um more connected as a team, whereas the Bulls have been a little bit disrupted. Um over last year and this last season and this season disrupted in terms of almost having two teams. So I don't think, um, I think the bulls will be able to put up a little bit of a fight. The bulls are, uh, I think they're almost like a, like a, like a bull to a, to a red flag. If, if big boys want to start running at them, they're like challenge accepted. So I don't think they'll be able to, to do it. And then you have the likes of uh, DuPont and Intermark and, uh, Gitoon and who else in the backs, you know, Peter Aki, who uh, I think will start if he's fit against the Bulls. I know that he's been in and out a little bit, but I think Peter Aki, th- their midfield is great as well. So I think the Bulls will probably try and front it up, um, but I agree. I think the Toulouse are probably 10, 15% better up front alone, just with their with their pack. Yeah, so big match for the Bulls coming up against Scarlets, and then we'll go into the the small break, and then we'll go into the, our home derbies in the URC, and then they are looking forward to playing Toulouse at the end of March. So let's move to our next South African team, which are the Sharks. They um, lost quite an entertaining game, and then at the at the stoop, I guess Harlequins thirty nine points to twenty nine. Cooks, I think there's only one place to start with this game, which is the Ibn Etzebeth, um try and his. Um, protest against the 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 cap the caterpillar the caterpillar rack <laughs> yeah i love um i mean it's one way just it's it's one way just of the caterpillar rack but um oh, it's, it's such a hard law to to riff you know i mean i, I know i think as uh jeremy flannery was having a god that's saying that the, the riff tends to sort of be the one that says the ball is out or the players will ask the riff and say listen riff is the ball out can we play sort of thing and it's such a it's it's it is such a hard look. Cause, I mean, some refs interpret the ball being out of the nine is is the hands of the ball. Some some refs will be like the nine hands of the ball, but the ball's not out. So 
I think I think it's a bit to the world. I do know for a fact that not many people were going to argue against him, but it's a bit to the shit size of the man. So, and um, I, I do think that I think that could be the way to stop these caterpillar rugs. But I, I, it's just going to be. I think now with what Evan Edwards did, it's going to be. I'm interested to see how it's going to be officiated moving forward, and is that going to be the norm, or what's, or is the law going to change, or are the refs going to stay to players? Balls out, you can come for it, or because I mean, they used to do the whole thing of you have five seconds to get the ball out, but like I feel like I don't know if the refs don't know how to count anymore, or as that rule just faded away, but no one knows whatever the the whole five second rule. Yeah, that does my head in, man. Um, I've been waiting patiently for these law variations or these updated uh, mandates to come into play with the 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 kicking, the kick clock, and all that, which I'm still waiting for. I'm a little bit disappointed. I won't lie. In terms of, um, I, I, there's two things. One, I, and I've been a little outspoken about it on Twitter, is I, I hate the refs coaching. Um, and we've got into a nasty habit of the refs coaching. Like, for instance, when the refs like don't pre-bind, don't pre-latch, when there's like a five-meter tap and go, they're like, just be careful not to pre-latch. Um, and at the end of the game, they, um, the refs like, don't, don't kick the ball out on the full. You must tap it and kick it out, and then the game will be over. Like stuff like that does my head in. So that whole the ball's out situation uh, is a bit of a – uh, it's a bit of a, a tricky one for me because um, often if you allow players to do it at their own discretion without the ref saying anything, they'll get pinged. W- what good I will say out of this is it is that is the new TMO mandates uh, and, and rules around whatever the TMOs are supposed to be doing in officiating and managing the laws and all that sort of jazz is, is a perfect example of how it was used there. The, the referee allowed things to play on and then they were then they were able to come back and have a look at it um and i think we're in a better place um people don't want to hear the tmos talking and blah 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 but there's so much happens while in play where the referee and the tmo are communicating about high shots and stuff like that where we have less stoppages and uh and i think i think it's great in terms of the actual events i think uh, as much as Eben Etzebeth is always, always, always talking to the ref, always trying to figure out when it's out, what's going on, he really is like he's 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 like a like a dog chasing a ball around that area. Um, you know, he's big and strong, but he's also tall, so he he adds a lot of value there. The thing for me is is that is more for me that is a great piece of Sharks play. The the counter ruck came in, which forced. I can't remember who it was um, from Quinns to brace, and that pulled them away from Joe Marlow, which essentially broke his bind because he was bound before that counter ruck. The second that 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 happened, and Marlow's bind breaks, and his his hand is still on the player, but his bind breaks when his shoulder leaves the player. The second that happened, um, Etzebeth went in, and he went in hard, and uh, just the way he did it, how he managed his his uh, body position, his footwork, et cetera, et cetera. Um, add to the fact that, um, that Danny Kerr probably should have tackled him. I mean, we all know he should have. Um, but, I mean, you know, a lot of players are complaining at the refs. It happens often where it gets blown and not. But I thought the ref did really well to let it play on, check the TMO, and then sort it out after that. Sean, you mentioned um, a kick count or, like I say, a ruck count at 
Right, so I don't know, on 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 Aussie, on Aussie something, when is, what, what would be the, the right amount of time? Let's say, would it be five seconds or, or, or say 10 seconds per ruck? And when would it start? Do you, do you start it as the duck gets tackled or do you start it as the say, the ruck is formed where the contest is, where the, where the contest is sort of over, where it's no longer a guy trying to steal, guy, to, guy and a guy trying to clean. When would you start? that clock and where yeah, essentially how long would it be? I would like as soon as the ball is available for the nine, I would like the ref to call the nine to use it. And I'm happy with five seconds. I think the managing that five seconds is, in, is, is vital. And I would like to see that call made a little bit sooner. So What's got to happen is the referee and the touch judges need to, uh, the assistant referees need to be managing that off sideline. So hopefully the, the ARs can do that. And then the ref can then focus on that ball because there's a lot of contesting happens. So I don't think you can make that call. Like when the tackle is made, the ball must come out. It, it could be three seconds where the, where the, where, where the nine gets clean ball. It could be eight seconds. If there's a big counter ruck going on and that, and, and the, the, the attacking team have to work harder to make sure it's clean. But as soon, for me, as soon as the scrum half is in a safe, like a, a good stable position to be able to collect and pass the ball, the ref should be calling it. So that'll speed up things dramatically, especially with guys. We've got a lot of players that do have an incredible um, after tackle uh, ball placement and reach. And then their one man comes in. And that then they can use it to call. The only issue that I see arising from that is when a player's tackled and he's got a good long reach and you've got one man in there selecting the ruck, I'm um, sorry, call, uh, forming the ruck and the ball is available for the nine, then if the other team counter ruck, if they're isolated, then there might be a problem. But that is, is more of an incentive for the scrum off to get rid of it. So for me, it's when the ball is available, the referee needs to make that call and i'm happy with five seconds i think five seconds is a reasonable amount of time it's just when do you start that five seconds yeah i think that's uh yeah there's a very interesting conversation there about how to manage these things and unfortunately the only problem with i guess that solution is sure like for sean's like dislike of coaching that <laughs> you have to have someone or the or the or the stadium or someone going three, two, one or five, four, three, two, one and counting down. But um, if you'd like to hear what Danny Kerr thinks, um, I can't wait for the drop of the next Rugby Union weekly podcast. And I'm sure yeah. he'll have a lot of thoughts about the, about um, Amusha Kelly, the referee. Tala, sorry. You know, there was, a, there was a period, there was almost, it was one round in the premiership, I saw it. I distinctly remember, well, distinctly, I'm, I'm doubting myself, but I'm sure it was Matthew Carley in the premiership that he the, it happened, he did it and someone else did it, where they're like, use it, five, four, three, two, one. The referee was saying that. And that forced the scrum halves to use it because they knew that they were being managed. The scrum halves often will kick on six seconds, maybe five and a half seconds. But the sec the, when the referee is counting it and you can get, get it going – and and once you start creating that expectation and the scrum offs understand the the time period between, I don't think it's it's crazy. The ref can count the the seconds in his mind if he wants to. Listen, there's a there's a very long time. Five seconds is long. 
If the ref says use it, and then you still got to pull the ball back from a player in between a lock's feet to get the caterpillar a little bit longer and then kick it, I, I, I want to throw stuff at the TV, man. I'm like, you're taking the piss now. So, um, yeah, the ref can count it. I mean, I'd love him to go five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> imagine, imagine the shitstorm. But anyway, that's. But also, uh, there's a, that's, yeah. For sure, there's a stage when uh, some refs, when they were, they were just a, a player, the players were sort of, the players would count for themselves. They were just sort of, as the nines would have kicked, they'll just come around and play the, they'll play the nine. And the ref would be like, well, the ball's out now. Like, you, you guys are taking too long. So it's like, there was a five second count and then like no one told us when it disappeared. It, they made a big fuss about it and it just vanished. And now it's like the cat, the caterpillar rucks sort of crept back in. I, I don't know who's, I don't know how they keep doing it, but someone needs to, someone needs to put it into the caterpillar. The caterpillar can't keep sticking back into world rugby. The truth is, is if you manage, if you manage like my suggestion on how, when the ball is available for the nine, if you manage that properly as a ref, you'll actually reduce caterpillar rucks because the ball will be available. You'll say, use it. And then he wants to put another guy in there and then roll the ball back, roll the ball back. That'll reduce all of that. That's like eight, 10 seconds long available. But the thing is, is like sometimes guys want to slow the ball down and, and all that sort of stuff. And they want longer in their own, in their own half while they set up the, the exit and all that. But if, the ball is available for the nine and the ref calls use it and he counts your five seconds, your caterpillar ruck would have to be exceptionally good and quick in order to form it. Yeah, we can call Yevon Itzabeth the caterpillar crusher now from now on. But then let's just talk quickly about the game. And I think, Sean, the two stats that pretty much sum up why the Sharks lost on, on Saturday are turnovers one for Holoquins, nine as opposed to three with um, Will Evans winning three of those turnovers and penalties conceded. The Harlequins had 10 and the Sharks had 18. You can't win a game like that at all. Flip, man, I didn't realize I conceded so much. That's massive. You, it, to be in with the shots of a game and concede 18 penalties is, is quite remarkable on its own. But uh, yeah, you don't want to be doing that. In fairness, the Sharks side did look a little bit... Um, uh, sluggish or they, they didn't look their, their usual selves so you know the, the travel and the hot to cold temperatures for all the South African sides is most certainly affecting them it's, um, but I, I did expect a, a little bit more they did manage to um, fortunately come away with, with um, enough points overall to, to be guaranteed home, um, home 16 and home quarterfinal, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, they're, they're conceding that amount of penalties and having that many turnovers against you it makes for, for hard rugby if you want to win the game. Yeah, and I guess another factor was that the Sharks had quite a few injuries in their back line. So no Ron, Yelza van Rensburg, Makazul Mapimpi was suspended. Um, Vernacock was not available. And um, but the Chamberlain didn't travel as well, so there were probably three and or four um, backline players you could say weren't even in the Sharks backline um, a month ago, either through injury like Lukanyo Am or they weren't um, being played. Um, the like the likes of Monsportkita um, and Fakia Abrams. So I guess there was, and I think with the first few tries, um, the backline tries from Harlequins, you could see that those combinations weren't quite um, communicating. That the Tapuai Am um, and 
Abraham's um, combination didn't really do too well in that try that um, I think it was Murley that scored it in the corner in the first half. Hmm. Just a little off topic a little bit, but can we just take a moment to talk about Porchita and his form at the moment? He, he's cooking. I, I must be honest, I didn't see him as a winger. I really, when, I, when he first came on, he played in the midfield and I thought that's, he, he doesn't really look too quick, but he, he, he's quick and he fights hard. Um, he's in some sublime form and, and Jaden Hendricks as well. So that, that is one positive for the Sharks. Yeah, and I'd also had Apelile Fassi coming back um, into the starting berth and, and playing, mm-hmm. you know, like yes. Apelile Fassi does. So he, yeah, had great stats in the game. Um, once Borkita had 88 meters and five defenders beaten, Fassi had 52 meters and four defenders beaten and they both scored a try. Once Borkita also bouncing Danny Kerr, just a horrible day at the office for Kerr given that it was his 350th match. 350. Yes. For, for Harlequins, it's crazy. But the Sharks showed him no sympathy during the course of the game. So I guess, and Cooks, I can bring it to you. I think there was actually positives with the Sharks' attack on, on Saturday. They did score four tries. They, they were looking like they could break open the Harlequins' defense when they wanted to. It's just ill-discipline costed them at the end of the day. 100%. But before I had him do that, I wanted to, to say, I know, I was going to say Danny Kerr, he had a rough day in the office, but he's played 350 games. Surely people cannot still be falling for that show and go from the base. I was like, God, God's been doing this his whole career. I was so annoyed when he scored the drop. Like, it's Danny K. You know he's going to do it at least once a game. Like, like if, you, if you're standing guard, like, we show up with Danny K. If you're sleeping, Danny K is going to get you. That's why he's got 350 caps for, for the Harlequins. But, yeah, I think there were a lot of positives for the Sharks. I think, yeah, I think the attack has sort of has um has, has lifted a whole whole notch since um obviously with Bosch at ten and Pity um Ron Lansbury wasn't playing yesterday. It's been very nice to see him and Estes and go head to head. I thought Estes was very good on Saturday, but um yeah, I think there was a positive with the Sharks. I think um they, they, I feel like they're heading in the right direction, especially with ball in hand. They sort of look like they know what they what they tend to do and what what they're trying to create. And um, yeah, I think it's listen to go to the stoop and just put twenty nine points. It's 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 not easy. It's not easy. I mean, that's one of the best in the best in England last year. And um, to and and the thing is, unfortunately though, if if you're gonna go into a a shootout with Harlequins, you can't give away eighteen penalties because they will hurt you. And and Harlequins seem to thrive more in a 39-29 ball game than a a six a six six sort of sort of game anyway. Yeah, we'll talk about Harlequins in a moment when we talk about their last 16 opponent. But the Sharks are going to face Munster and Durban. So obviously Munster, your seed team. And Munster are already building up some form. Sean, that, yeah, a month ago, that would be quite an easy game for the Sharks probably. But now it's quite dangerous. Yes, Munster are are looking, really looking good. Um, They... Uh, I tell you who it was. It was it was Ryan at um, Tighthead that that crushed Cyril Bal. Um, but yeah, I tell you, Munster are, are looking very handy. I, they did lose Haley, um, who's very important for them. He's in sublime form at, at fifteen. And the other thing is um, Malachi Fekatoa ha- hasn't. Malachi Fekatoa hasn't delivered for Munster what people expected of him. And against Toulouse yesterday, he did. Um, there were a couple of injuries. Um, 
Jack Crowley was at 12. He then moved to 15 with Haley being injured. And they put Pekatoa at 12 and Anton Frisch, who's also having a brilliant, brilliant season. Um, they moved him, uh, well, Frisch stayed at 13. So the things for Munster are coming good. His combinations that are happening, um, Tag Burn was phenomenal. Peter Mahoney was his usual self. Uh, Hodnet is, is really, really good. Um, so they have a decent squad. They have players on form and uh, they have the Champions Cup bug more than we do. They, they want to prove a point more than the South African sides just because of the history and because they've always been living in Leinster's shadow. And then, um, Cooks, just from your side, I think what, what, what's, the, what's the one thing that the Sharks can do to Munster that they can't really stop? I think um, the Sharks' physicality, especially if you're adding uh, Rodi and Sardinsburg, I think that's going to be a massive threat that sort of, I mean, his ability to get the Sharks goal football, freeze up Cohen Bosch, and obviously, I mean, Lukanya Amlug is looking sharp again. But um, I think that's, if you Leinster, that, that's the biggest one. And obviously, and obviously the pack, I think, I mean, sorry, if you're Munster, I think Munster, that's the biggest concern is the Sharks pack and the overall physicality. So, I do think it's going to be a, one of the ties of the tournament and Munster, I really do enjoy them because it does feel like it's a, a bit of a project and if they are trying to play a little bit more ball in, ball in hand rugby with them obviously changing coaches at the end of the end of last season. So it's nice to see it come to fruition and like Sean said that, um, what do they call it? I know on Twitter, football heritage as we say when it comes to the Champions League. I worry <laughs> that um, Munster's um, Champions Cup heritage might come through because games like this, this, this sometimes is the defining factor in things like this and th- um, thank goodness it's in Durban as opposed to it would been tough times was in Limerick well, mm. well probably not Limerick because if, if Ed Sheeran's playing the game tends to get moved so but at least um, <laughs> at least it'll be in Durban The Storm has had to move for a monster truck competition or monster truck show so <laughs> slow down and Justin Bieber who never pitched up um, <laughs> Yeah that's also true I tell you, um, the one thing I think you bang on in terms of the Sharks are very, must be very grateful that it's been played at the Shark Tank because Munster, I don't recall, have Munster played in Durban in the URC yet? I don't think they have, but they must have, they've been obviously been to South Africa, but I don't think they've played in Durbs. But either way, I think the Sharks probably want it to be about 32 with about 140% humidity and perhaps a little bit of <laughs> a bit of rain about. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are, but the, we, we need to purposefully select the weather for when Munster pitch up, when the Sharks play. Munster can take it from me. You don't, you don't want to be anywhere near Durban when it's, <laughs> when, when it's humid and if it's their first time. Just um, if, if it's the first time, what I'll do for them, I'll, I'll go take a dip in the sea. I mean, I think like a little bit of equalite to sort of ease the tension before match day. And then, <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, on cold just, just one more note for um, the Sharks is that a certain RG Slayman might be coming back um, around that time. I mean, he's starting to train with the team, so it's not certain when he will actually come back. but. Two months from now, it's yeah, it's 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 um, very much conceivable that he could be ready for for the last sixteen game. Do you think the Sharks players Do you think the Sharks players invited for a bra in the middle of the week when he gets back and, and a swim? 
<laughs> I swim in a briar just like burn him now again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, he's been playing, he's been with the squad training for some time and they did say that it would be, I, if I'm not mistaken, they said it would be at the end of Jan that is the realistic time where, where they'd be able to say how long until he returns. So I, I'm fairly confident we'll see him in, uh, in, in Feb. So there's a very good chance that he will make the trip down to Durban. That's, that's me and me hoping and praying from, for South Africa's, <laughs> for South yeah. Africa's sake. I was, saying, I was about to say, you probably have a Bok hat on when you're trying to make that prediction more than a, a month back. There's nothing red. <laughs> there's nothing red in that comment. It's all yeah. green and gold. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that probably will be one of the ties of the tournament of the last 16. That Munster team's going to look really strong. You've got the Burns and the Omanis and the Connemaries and all those people that have won big matches in, in Europe before. But let's move on to the Stormers and their match against Cremont on Saturday evening. They won 30 points to 16. Tough first half. Um, Stormers own, or Clermont actually was winning six points to three in the first half and Stormers just couldn't get anything going and their passes being dropped and they just couldn't really get any momentum. And then a yellow card to Anthony Ballou. Ballou just really changed everything for the Stormers and they ran in three tries during that sin binning period and, and ran away with the game. And also can call on the return of Evan Rus um, into the team that, that uh, changed things as well. On his um, birthday. On his birthday as well, scoring a try yeah. um, in the, in, uh, from the rolling mall as well. Um, Sean, while you're here, the Stormers, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess, <laughs> while you just pop into this conversation, I guess for the Stormers, <laughs> the nice thing for them is they just are in that mode now where they just feel like they can win any game against any team, especially in Cape Town. They, it doesn't really matter how they play. They can really just turn on the quality for 10 minutes and, and, and take a game away from someone. Yeah, and from a Champions Cup point of view, I think that's why everyone is calling the Stormers-Quins game the, the game of the round because we're hoping it's going to be like a, a 41-39 game, <laughs> something like that. But the Stormers, yes, I, I, again, this is one of the ones I missed. I was, I was following it on, on the Ultimate Rugby app and it's, there was so, so much going on and I kept chatting to a couple of guys that were watching. I was wondering what the hell's going on. Why, why does it seem so slow? What's happening? Are the Stormers not playing well? And it just seemed a little bit scratchy in the first half. But the beautiful thing about the Stormers is it takes so little for them to kick into gear. They don't need to continuously build a platform build a platform they've got so much confidence and so much trust in the way they play and the players and the coaching staff and the game plan that if it doesn't go right they stick to their ground basics and when it goes right they're like cool it's clearer now you know i can see clearly now that the rain has gone and then they just absolutely just hit it hit it with a big stick so that is the one thing about them um, at home. They're great, and they have the ability to do that away from home too. Sure, that was going to be my exact same take. I think the Stormers have sort of moved into that, you know, that championship quality pedigree. I, I, I just feel like with quality stars like giving you know, a Glenster, like the Crusaders. I've seen the Crusaders do this so many times where they they they're able they're able to be really good for but. 20 minutes and then kill the game and then sort of survive on about gear one, gear two, 
for the rest of it. And the Storm have done it so well this year where you look at that first off, I remember watching it, it's like understanding with the travel and things like that, but the Storm was sort of felt like they were stuck in gear two, couldn't get going, but their ability for like to put together a quality 15 minutes, score 21 points, and then the game is done. And then sort of go back into that other gear, sort of just ride the wave and just make sure, just make sure they finish the game without too, not too much fuss, not too much hurry. And I think it's, it's, it's a so wild to me because you, you, you go back to, to a year ago, we were talking about the Stormers when obviously they started the momentum, but this is, we, we didn't know which, which Stormers side we're going to get now. It's, it sort of feels when you watch the Stormers play, at not one stage against Clermont do you feel like they're going to lose that game. They weren't playing great, but you're like, oh, these guys have got, they, they've got, they've got 20, they've got 15 minutes in them where they can turn this around. I think that's been the biggest job that um, future pop coach Sean Dobson has, has, has done well. And um, <laughs> you're banging that drum hard, eh? Hard. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and um, I, I just think that it's a testament to the, the side they are, which I feel like, I know they play the Harlequins, but it, for me, it looks like a side that, that can go back to back in the URC, make a deep playoff run in the, a deep playoff run in the, in the Champions Cup. And I feel like I'll give the Stormers enough praise for, for a lifetime, but this might be one of the best Stormers outfits we've probably ever seen. And um, it's really good to see the confidence really? levels that back each other. And um, like, like it's, it does feel like next man in, next man out. I mean, Dan Duplessis is cooking now. And then, then Marnie will cook. Well, yeah, all the thunk. And then, um, you know, um, Oshi Yankees looked like he was actually, Oshi Yankees sort of was going to came off the bench and he's still like pulled a vet. So the depth they got, they know to win. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a really great, great, great outfit at the moment. For, for me, I really, I think the Storm is, I think Dobbo desperately needs, so he needs Yankees to carry on growing in terms of his form and he needs the vet fit. I think those two nines are vital for the Stormers. I think Stefan Unger is a class player. He's just a little scratchy at the moment. But I just had a quick look at the Stormers' journey to the, 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 their journey from now until they play Quinns in the round of 16 in the Champions Cup. They've got Ulster away this weekend. They then have Bulls away. So that's a, there's a, that's a derby. It's a grudge match. Um, is it? Um... Sorry. Is the Bulls not a crash derby? Is that what you're asking? No, 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 no. I'm asking, I'm just making sure that I've got the dates right. Um, so yeah, they've, they've got the Bulls at Loftus. Then they've got the Sharks um, at, at, in Cape Town. And then they play Leinster away. So those, they're four massive, massive games for the Stormers before they play Harlequins in a once-off playoff game in the round of 16 of the Champions Cup. That, this, is a, this month, this period, the next four or five games for the Stormers are, are season-defining for them because there are going to be um, Springboks coming and going. There's going to be changes. That obviously, there will be, unfortunately, an injury here and there. But to play Ulster, Bulls, Sharks, Leinster, and then have to be prepared for Quinns, there are going to have to be some decisions made by Dobbo um, in terms of personnel, who's playing what, when, and how. Yeah, and how do you... It seems like from what we understand that pretty much after this weekend's game and looking at the Stormers, um, their, their squad for this weekend, it doesn't seem like a lot of the first-choice Springboks are going to fly over to Ulster this weekend. So from this weekend, 
the likes of Kitsov, Moharba and um, Damon Villosa will be um, <clears throat> resting up for, for, for next month or for at least for until middle of March. So if that, if that is going to be happening and obviously that's enforced rest for those players, then I don't, then I think the stores will try to just get to flow, to just sort of tread water up until they can get to that Harlequins game. So I wouldn't really expect seeing Stephen Kitzoff especially and up until that, that game against Harlequins probably. And Damien Willems are the same because the Stormers have been, not like the Bulls who've been rotating their players in and out. The Stormers have pretty much played Kitzoff and Willems have each and every game the last few weeks. So they, I don't think they have much of a choice but to, you know, rest them now throughout this enforced period of rest. But luckily, injuries worked out for them because now they do have Yevan Rus for the next few weeks and they do have Sasha Gomezulu for the next few weeks and they do have Herschel Yankees for the next few weeks. So it's a good opportunity for some of those players to see who the next men up are because, I mean, just like Tron said, I mean, we would have thought Dan Duplessis would be a hero for the Stormers, but who also would have thought Jean-Luc Duplessis would have been a hero for the Stormers? He, him and Herschel Yankees coming on in the second half completely changed the game. Tyler, you mentioned them. Um, obviously, you said you said we're likely to see the bots like the Willows is back for the Harlequins game, and the, the, which means they'll miss the Leinster game. Do you think um, Johnny Sexton and Demi Williams are going to be holidaying together in Italy, or do you think they're doing separate travel plans, or what's going? <laughs> what, what, what do you think the vibe there is going to be? I wonder if um, Warwick Holland, um will call up his old friend Gaza and 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 see if he can pull in Johnny, Johnny Sexton for a. A weekend maybe in Saint Tropez or you know those sort of like beach holiday um places in in, in Europe. <laughs> Imagine the like backline. Oh jeez. Imagine there's Sexton, Willemser, and Galant in a backline. Even which if Galanta? they're playing touch rugby on the beach. But which Galant the, the, is it? Um, <laughs> the, the haters captain Galant or the the nice one? Because if it's the one with the, the fighting the haters Galant, then 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 that's that's world rugby player the year stuff in the backline. He's, he's great. I, I love his social media. Listen, Warikalant's also the only pro player that actively uses the hashtag Saffers Abroad. So that's uh, a great, great place to be in. We need more of the guys and girls that are playing overseas to use it so we can uh, follow follow these legends. Sorry, but I just dropped I just, it in there. I just hope that he doesn't now use either the podcast or the Saffers Abroad hashtag as motivation as well. I'm sure you'll be referring to us as haters in the next few weeks. We we have been the we have been the number one supporters of of, of all Boogie. So he can't now come and uh, say that we're part of the haters crew. Listen, just for the record, both of you are backtracking here. I have the whole way said he's great. You were the one like, oh, which one? Which one? So Boogie just <laughs> so you know, Cooks Cooks was trying to find reverse in his comments there. I still got you. It's only, because he, it's only because he makes fun of my picks whenever I talk about football, so that's why I want to get one back on him. <laughs> oh, no, nice. definitely. This is going to be fun. Everyone makes fun of your football picks and your football team right now. Anyway, moving on. Let's that was look so forward. uncalled for. It <laughs> <laughs> was a drive-by. Um, Sean, what's the one matchup in the Stormers Harlequins, the one individual matchup you're most looking forward to? Oof. I... I actually, oh, it's so boring, but um, I, I'll pick a, a back and a forward. I definitely want to see Ruan Nal up against Joe Marchant, um, especially considering um, what's going to be happening at 12. So, like, you can't, 
you can't have 13 play exceptionally well if your 12 isn't. So I think that midfield is going to be crazy. And then I definitely, the the front rows, I want to see Kitsov and and everyone just having a full front on go because it's going to be about the scrums. I want to, Joe Marler have a little bit of banter. I want, uh, uh, I mean, I could name a lot because there's really so much going on um, in both those sides at the moment. But for me, Ruan Nell um, and, uh, and Joe Marchant, that battle at 13, even whoever, even if it's not Marchant, if he's up in the, in the England squad, which he might get a recall for, um, but he will be released for, for Champions Cup, obviously. But I think Ruan Nell up against the 13 at Quinns, whoever's playing is going to be great because he's, he's vital for the Stormers, but I think he, he's starting to um, force a lot of cracks in the opposition. Cooks, I'm sure you're only looking at one uh, matchup, which is Marty Lebock against Marcus Smith. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's, um, that's, that's my one. That's going to be great to watch. But I'm actually going to prove you wrong. I was not eyeing that one. <laughs> I don't, I, I, in 2023, I'm advanced. Now. I, am, I am still a forward. So I still got to appreciate the guys up front. Um, for me, it's um, Evan Ruiz and Alex Dombrandt. I think that's going to be massive to big ball carriers. Um, I think. And cut from the same cloth as well. 100%. 100%. So I think with those two, they sort of set the tone. Whoever has a good game there will sort of, that, that, that could arguably be the side that wins it. I mean, that's going to be an epic, epic battle. Yeah. Another one to, to, to put forward as well is Will Evans against Dion Free. Just two crazy turnover monsters that just seem to get at least three, four turnovers a game at this point. So I think they'll have quite a big battle between them and it'll just be the battle of the quick ball I think between these two sides and I actually wouldn't mind seeing um, Damien Willemse um, playing at midfield against Andre Estesen but he probably plays at fullback so it'll be Dan Duplessis against um, Andre Estesen and this Dan Duplessis is playing really well Jeez, I, I, I think that actually might be a decent matchup for Andre Estesen on, uh, for the last 16 game so yeah there's a lot of um things to look forward to in the DHL derby as they're calling it now. Watch this game in 6-6 or 6-9. Like to the best Rainy Cape Town. Yeah, like exactly like raining Cape Town, wind, just like, like it's in the, in the next week when the Stormers play the card of blues, it suns out like, you know, you know rugby does. Eh? Like, I'm just, <laughs> it's going to happen like, oh man, like I, I can see it happening already. Like I'm, uh, it's just, like it, it, like it might have to like move to like a dome, like in like like they're doing the NFL, like this final work. like move it to um, oh. the Full South Bar Stadium in the Islanders. Just put there. Oh, uh, like, that was the fans. That the was... fans. Do you just see the teams cook? Just put the put the one of the Reuven and Eden. Just just like just bend the rules there for a bit. That dome comment was so triggering. Um, yeah, my Buffalo Bills losing against um, <clears throat> good old Joe Burr and and them that, getting, exactly getting on board it, That's exactly why I said it, That's exactly why I said it. I appreciate that, Cooks. I, I appreciate that. I can always count on you to be this person. So actually, quick shout out that I want to make to the Traveling Clermont fans. So I was actually at the stadium on Saturday and, you know, a sizable group of them traveled down to the match in Cape Town. I mean, look, it's not a difficult choice to travel to Cape Town for, for the weekend. Um, I would say there were about maybe 80 to 100 of them there. They were singing when the when Clermont scored. They were 
and they 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 did the French national anthem in the middle of the game. They stayed at the end and clapped off the the Cremont team. Like, yeah, this is great. I mean, this really felt like a bit more of a you your uh, of a European um tie. And I think, I mean, obviously it's difficult for European fans to travel all the way to South Africa um in in their numbers. But if we can at least have a good traveling away contingent in these games, then this will be all worth it. So. It was so great having that atmosphere added to the DHL stadium. We, we, and by we, I mean the South African sides and SA rugby would do exceptionally well to get the French traveling fans down here. And I think this is something um, that needs to, to happen moving forward in the Champions Cup where the South African teams, you know, we, ha- we have, uh, there's, there's blocks of two weeks of games that we have two weeks of games at home and then the next block is two weeks of games away. Imagine we're playing someone, let's say the Stormers are playing, and it so works out that it, they're playing Toulon at home one week, and the next week they're playing, say, Montpellier or La Rochelle. We would get a group of French fans down, a sizable group that would stay for two weeks. It would be... And and they are the singing and everything is incredible. Like that is one thing that the South African fans don't experience. I've never experienced it live, uh, any any rugby in France. I've watched a fair bit of it on TV. It's incredible, and that's obviously home ground stuff, which you know. But everyone loves a tour, and I think that we would do exceptionally well to somehow, if 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 all the chips fall in place, to do something like that and have them down, have like thirty thousand or maybe it's a bit much maybe 10,000 french fans down for for 2 weeks it would be quite incredible yeah i need to also just call out our fellow countrymen cooks i think you need to lead this we need more songs or just something that we do in the stadium except for the mexican wave and ole 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 i mean goodness i mean i know the likes of the guijo squad and umbumbo are trying to change the atmospheres and in the stadiums, but oh, it was it was really bad that you know the the Clermont fans were singing something, and all we could do was stormers, stormers. I mean, goodness, man! Like we need to, I don't know yeah. what we need to do, but this URC European money, we need to like get it together so we can actually get some proper like fan atmosphere in our stadiums. No, I agree with you. Anything that doesn't involve Sister Petina or Sweet Caroline or Ganagata playing, like anything to avoid that. But you are right. It's like we, 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 in these games, we need, we, we need some, some chants, like we need some songs. We need to, we, 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 like, I feel like we need to go to like a, like, like remember like when you're in school, like you're singing practice every Friday. Like that's what we would, as, as, as supporters, what we need to do. Like the, the, the team should come on a Wednesday, like, listen, all fans, please come and meet or, you get to the ground early, like you have to, like you need to come sing for about an hour before the game starts. So you have practice, you so you practice some songs or get a hymn book or something because all right, you sort of do need that vibe on it because you can't be stormers or like defense, <laughs> defense. Like, like sing, sing. you need. If everyone you sings need. songs together, you get free entry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because you're <laughs> right. We need some. We, we need to to spice it up and we need to spice it up and we can't let Sister Bettina win. We cannot let. Sister Bettina win. <laughs> the war against Sister Bettina starts on this podcast. And Sister Bettina must watch out because Cook says 
cursed Australia to damnation with, with some of his previous curses as well. So they better watch it step. Sorry, it has to go. So it, it, I was on mute. Go it on, has go to go. I'm just saying, like, now he plays off the national anthem in the box play. Like, how do you go from <laughs> the national anthem to, to sit to Bettina? Like, it, I just, like, like, some songs have got to go. Like, Galagata, it, it belongs to Sean Pollock. Like, he's got to take it and and and, and walk away with it. And Bettina, like, it needs to rest. It just, it's, and, and system, and it's Sweet Caroline. I'm tired of saying touching hands. Touching. I'm tired now. <laughs> I, am, I am tired. <laughs> ah, I tell you, every South African's having like live sport flashbacks when that happens. I mean, what, <laughs> like what, Western Province versus the Blue Bulls at Newlands in the Curry Cup in 1932. Wasn't that still playing then? Like, <laughs> I'm it's so ridiculous. Touching me, touching you has been playing at every Curry Cup match since the 1890s or whatever. Whenever Sir Donald Curry um, donated that trophy, goodness. Um, let's do. We're gonna do. A, let's do a, a three minutes prediction of the rest of the Champions Cup. So, Cooks, I think I'll have to do it with you. Um, I think Sean has just um, stepped out, so we're gonna try to predict the whole URC, and then we'll be like, we are predicting this. Okay, so it's gonna be very quick. Instincts. Don't try to rationalize it. Leinster, Ulster. Ah, uh, Leinster. Okay, and then Leicester versus Edinburgh. Ooh, I'm gonna go Leicester. Leicester at home. That is Leicester, okay, at so home, Leicester yeah. Tigers at home. Toulouse versus the Bulls. Oh, sorry, Blue. Sorry, Tanner. I'm gonna go Toulouse here. <laughs> no, I can't argue with that. The Sharks Wait, against Munster. Actually, actually, I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Sharks. Ex- okay, Exeter versus Montpellier. Um, Exeter at home. Oh. I'm going to go upset. I say Montpellier. I say Montpellier yeah. as well. I think they're going to kick themselves up in gear. They're lucky to qualify for the last 16, but I think they'll, well, they'll turn well, it up. Well, it's definitely players left the way, the way they're going at the moment. <laughs> I think they'll they have to donate or um, load some from the MLR. I think that's the next option. There? Like, well, why are so many guys leaving? Like, I, I often check, is, is it like a, it's the exodus? I mean, like, I just, every time I blink, there's a less to there. Is the extra, extra cheese player leaving again? I think it's the salary cap, but I also think it's, um, I think it's just the end of an era. I think players yeah, have sort of all sense. gone together. They've won, they've won everything. And now they're taking big, big and better opportunities abroad. So yeah, it's just unfortunate that it's all happening all at one time. And hopefully for Exeter's sake, they may hopefully have like good youngsters coming through. Or I'm also suspicious that it might be you know, they might know something about where the cap is and their finances that the rest of us don't. don't so don't, hopefully that's not the case. Or, or maybe they, 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 just, they don't play championship rugby like the, like the Saracens did. I mean, they, they just get, <laughs> get too shifted about the youngsters at this stage. It's like, we're going to ride this wave and we'll go back now anyway. <laughs> okay, so that is Montpellier. And then Stormers versus Harlequins. Oh, Stormers at home. I'm going to go Stormers in a, in a cracker. Okay, and then La Rochelle against Gloucester. Where's the game? Oh, La Rochelle. Where's the game? Yes. Gloucester at home. And La Rochelle. No, La Rochelle. And then the last one, Saracens at home against Ospreys. Gosh, oh, shame. Sorry, 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 Ellen Jones, but I'm going to go for fans. <laughs> okay. You, then, then, according to your predictions, the quarterfinals will be the first one is Leinster versus Leicester at, at, at Dublin. Uh, Leinster. 
And then the second one is Toulouse versus the Sharks in France. Do you know what? I'm not shocked. Oh, I would definitely I would, I would not say that. I would definitely say Toulouse. I think they're going to make a big it's run. It's 51 49, my heart, but I'm going to go Sharks. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll keep Sharks there. Montpellier against the Stormers. Uh, Montpellier playing, oh, I think it would actually be the Stormers playing at home because they're the highest seed. Uh, I'm going to go Stormers. If it's at home, then I'm also going Stormers. And then La Rochelle versus Saracens is almost worth, worthy of a final in itself. So it a final of itself. La Rochelle um, at home. Oh, I think, I think Saracens go to France and get the job done. Oh, okay. I, I probably would go La Rochelle. But let's go with your predictions. So then the semifinal will be Leinster versus the Sharks in Dublin. And then the Stormers versus Saracens. Oh, no French teams in this. Cooks doesn't like the French. So Leinster versus the Sharks in Dublin. They're hosting the World Cup. They'll be, they'll be fine. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Leinster. Okay, so Leinster goes to the final. They have not left Dublin since... Charlie Sexton has not left Dublin since like February at this stage. Yeah, just basically uh, living the dream. <laughs> and then um, the Stormers... Oh, it doesn't actually matter because we can't host um, semifinals. So then it would be La Rochelle hosting the semi-final against the... Oh, sorry, Saracens hosting the final against the Stormers. Oh. I'm, I'm going for URC final, Leinster with Stormers. Ooh, okay. So you think the Storms can do it on the AstroTurf? Um, and then, 100%. you know... And then I think Leinster five, to win it. Okay, then Leinster wins it in Dublin. Hopefully, at least for Johnny Sexton's sake, that won't be the only... A uh, bit of silverware that he takes this season. So, so how did they decide for the final? Was, was it always going to be in Dublin? Yeah, so they allocated to a different host. It's like the Champions League in football. Oh, no, silly, those sneaky bastards. They knew exactly <laughs> what they were doing. Every, I, I remember like, when it... He's put in Italy or something. You know what I mean? Like, at least like, 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 like put in Italy. Like, don't like, like, oh, it's going to be in Dublin. And like, cool, there's no powerhouse side. There's the, the, the place right me in the Viva Stadium. <laughs> like, okay, it's like saying the Cake Cup final each year is going to be either in the Shark Tank or, or Loftus. Like, okay, like, it's going to be green now. If they're brave, no. they'll, put the, if they're brave they'll put the final in Kimberley. Come on, man. Why if they're really brave. Yeah, that, that will pretty, probably kick us out of the, of the Champions <laughs> Cup if we put it in Kimberley. What do you There's think would happen? Chance. Chance. Like, the, what, what, what do you think the out, the out, the out, the out draw would be if if it's the African side, wins the URC first go, and then we go win the European Cup in the first go as well. Oh, and like, nice. the teachers of the Challenge Cup. We're going to we're gonna have to have our own Curry Cup because there's no chance they're going to let us stay in this competition. <laughs> no, 100%. They'll be like, sorry guys, thanks for coming. Like, this is done now. They're going to probably like pack our matches so that we have to like fly up and down from South Africa to Europe every week. And you have to play as you land. Immediately as you left, <laughs> you have to hear the game and kick off. Like that's, that's that'll be the building new stipulation. <laughs> we'll have a Friday match and then a Tuesday match. Yeah, <laughs> you got Kevin mixed up. You have one day's rest. <laughs> no, I, I think for, for our sakes, we should not push the button, especially if we want to get into the Six Nations. Like just at least make as if we're struggling and then later you can start coming into the competition. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, oh, like, like, there's no need to come in and dominate both competitions. Like, like, oh, we, we can't have a. Oh, like, imagine then, like, oh, you are a seed, you are a seed. Uh, SF, both SSIs in it, then Champions Cup two SSIs in it as well. Just like, just, just like, 
and in Dublin as well. And force we're gonna play we're gonna play that game in Dublin on top of it all. <laughs> no, we need to just um tread our, our steps carefully. For for what it's worth, my prediction is a Leinster La Rochelle final and Leinster winning it over La Rochelle um oh, after beating Toulouse in the semi-final. That is that is that is a tasty, tasty affair. I'm just worried about Leinster in terms of like into a form like like I mean Listen, if they're unbeaten for the, for the entire season, that, that is arguably the greatest club achievement ever. Uh, like, to go unbeaten for that long. And, 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 I, and I mean, I definitely think they'll do, they can do the double. But um, I, just, I just can't see a side beating them at the moment. They are, they're absolutely cooking at the moment. And it's, and it's about Sexton. And now Ross Byrne is trying to be the European Cup coach. He kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah, I think the Rossburn 15 is definitely going to be playing a lot more URC in the next few weeks. Um, and they're going to try to do the double squad thing and hopefully just not take the balls as lightly as they did maybe in the semifinal like they did last year. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the draw is opening it up for them. And yeah, I think it'll, it'll be very decisive who wins between um, Leinster and Toulouse in a potential semifinal even lends the Sharks if, if the Sharks manage to get through to lose. And then that other side of the draw, I, you know, I can't see Narishal not um, losing to anyone, even Saracens or even the Stormers. The Stormers have, if the Stormers could host every game in Cape Town, I would definitely predict them. I think they basically 100%. have the best home advantage in the world. Yeah, 100%. Considering a year ago, they couldn't win a game in that stadium. <laughs> no, they've sorted everything out. The grass doesn't like cut up you know, every scrum, like people yeah, can I run with the ball. Like, yeah, they've, they've got everything sorted now. Two more things, Cooks, before we wrap up. Did you see the photos from the, from the Six Nations launch this, this morning? I did. And it looked like, shame, the poor captains looked like that was the very last place they wanted to be. I, I, I know Actually, obviously um, on Farrell is, 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 is still is knee deep in tackle school at the moment. So I'm sure he's, he's not... <laughs> You don't look at space at all. I mean, no, no one is going to you. You, you remember those, those Monday morning lectures, Tyler, at 7.45? So that's where you get space. <laughs> so you did a 45 class from technical school straight into a photo shoot. Um, yeah, those folks did not look happy. Like, I was like, guys, do you want us to be excited for the Six Nations? What are we doing here? Like, are we, like, we don't be excited. We won't be excited. Like, you're, you're, you guys don't even look keen to be playing Six Nations. They, yeah, I think, yeah, Faz definitely has the look of someone that's, has a test tomorrow, but has to attend something the day before. Seems like, yeah, I don't know if he's going to be able to finish up all the studying for the exam for t- tackle school. No, I don't think so as well. The thing is, apparently this year, the first question is, um, uh, what you call it, the, 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 the leading with the shoulder. So I'm worried about, <laughs> I'm worried about, as long as, as long as he gets 50% he's available against Scotland, that's, that's, that's all the, that's all, that's all they care about. Just, just, just get out of tackle school. All he needs to get is 50%. So the captains looked like they could rather be, they would be rather anywhere else in the world. The coaches, yeah, I, I think the one notable, notable, notable person was Fabian Galtier coming with the drip there with the sneakers and the sunglasses. Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it. He, he, he just, he's, he's got to make a statement like, listen, guys, I'm the defending champ. So I'm not going to do this uh, formal shoes. Do you think Gats probably walking there like, oh, not this shit again? They're like, no man, Gats, you've been gone for three years. Like, what are you doing? What do you mean? <laughs> Warren Gatlin hasn't worn a suit 
in New Zealand probably ever. So this, is, this must be so irritating for him. His last suit was his last suit was the Lions tour. This is the last <laughs> the very last time he wore a suit. But I, I must say it was quite interesting seeing when I saw Gats there, I was like, yeah, Wells is it just feels like Wells is a different outfit now. Just just just, yeah. just, just, just seeing him in all those coaches, I'm like, yeah, okay, Wells is like it just it just feels different now. I mean, when Privet Shame was trying, but you sort of like just didn't stand out there. Now with Gats, so you're like, yeah, this Welsh outfit is it, it, it's, you see them in, in a different light now with Gats there. It yeah, it always looked like Wayne Pivak was like a fake Warren Gatland, and like he almost looked like him, but he wasn't quite him. Like even with the coaching yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's like he's also a Kiwi, and it's like it's like he's just like he tried to be Gats, but he wasn't Gats. And then now Gats comes back. Is you can see Gats looks like he's got a swagger back as well. Like like the last time I was in the competition, I also won a Grand Slams. Like I won the whole thing, so <laughs> like don't worry about me. I know what I'm doing. But it's I'm, I'm I must say I'm very excited for. The Six Nations this year. Yeah, Sean. Just quickly, what are your opinion? What's your opinion on um, Fabian Galtier's sneakers? Oh man, he was rocking it. And the best part, <laughs> the best part about it is, is all the old farts around him were like, "Oh, what's he wearing?" <laughs> and Fabian Galtier was like, "You know nothing." <laughs> oh no, Dude. and and it wasn't just the white sneakers. I mean, he had the sunnies on, and just the no, way no. he was standing, he was like. Yeah, this is my trophy. Come and get it. Guys, do you think Andy and Owen talk to each other in these things? Like, what's the interaction between these two and these, like, formal gatherings? I definitely think it's just like, like, Andy Farrell, well, Owen Farrell looks like it's sort of guy where Andy would be like, hey, son, how are you doing? And, like, and Owen Farrell would just, like, walk straight past him and just, like, I'll, I'll see you, like, on the 24th of February. Old man, like, been like forty pages, like, hey, did you hear that? Like, 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 when he gets home, like, hey, dad, I had to shoot today. I was your day. You're like, my man, we're, the, we're in the same place. We're at the same shoot. <laughs> what do you mean I was at the shoot today? Like, you just walk past me. He's like, sorry, I was in work mode. Sorry, dad. He, he def, ah, uh, you know, I, I was going to have a laugh, but he definitely, Owen Farrell's definitely two different people. He gets to completely, like, close off that personal side and then pack it away so far away and then his 100% of his being is is work um you can see it on a rugby field i love it but i was i when when, when you asked that i'm like i would absolutely love it if he walks up. i was like hey dad how are you hugs like have a coffee chat laugh like <laughs> like you know what i mean like the arm around arm around the shoulder okay guys can you just split up in your teams no it's cool just give me a second and everyone's waiting for them and the two are, are having a yarn over there and you can't say anything about it because it's like father and son. You can't be like, hey, can you just hurry up? Be like, I'm, I'm, I'm catching up with my son. Like, like, <laughs> do you think for Christmas, yeah. um, own fellow asks his dad, like, hey, like, how, how does the Sexton loop work? Like, I don't want new airports to tell me how the Sexton loop works. That's what I want for Christmas, dad. I want anything up from you. Yeah, he or, won't get or, that secret. Or, be, or better yet, imagine the two of them in a corner and then like like both of them are making like rugby moves and steps as if they're discussing tactics or something just to really, <laughs> yeah. everyone just having like a mind melt. <laughs> I definitely think it's a no rugby talk as they, when they're both home, like the, the wives and the moms, like there's no rugby talk in this house until, because <laughs> I can definitely picture them too, like sitting with a few beers and at like two in the morning trying to, solve all rugby's problems without giving away secrets as well listen <laughs> from a complete fanboy point of view imagine the conversations that they'd be having 
Like Ugh. imagine having a beer around a braai with the two of them while they're discussing the Springboks or the All Blacks. Well, like, it must be if, incredible. If, because they'll b- both be – they're pulling out like their own rugby IQ, but they're also pulling out IQ out of two top international nations where they've got collective groups of people working on stuff. Imagine having that conversation and like it's deep in the bush in the Kruger somewhere, uh, it's Kukuza or somewhere, and <clears throat> there's a massive fire going on. You're having a couple of beers and the two of them are explaining how the best way to, to unravel the, uh, the Springbok defense would be. I think that would be yeah, insane. That would be incredible. Yeah, those two as defense coaches, I think, would be amazing. I mean, Owen Farrell just sharing all that knowledge from from tackle school would be amazing for the team. <laughs> Thanks. But um, one more thing, um, well, actually, one more one more thing to say about these photos is at least they invite all the captains to the photos, unlike the rugby championship. <laughs> Shots fired. What was the oh, story man. behind that? Like. They were in Australia and Why they're just, years? no, I'm, I missed that. I knew I the first time they, well. they didn't invite the Argentinians and for a photo shoot or, or that wasn't the photo that yeah. made, made the mainstream news or something. And they did it again last year. Chaker is going to just take that and go, thanks, gents. I have lots of fuel now. I will use it to I whatever assume- need I need. I assume Julien Montoya called someone the P-word and then they just not yeah. invite him to things <laughs> like, again. Like, you know what, like, these guys come here, they, they eat all our steaks. Like, is it worth them coming for a photo? Like, oh, we'll <laughs> see them in a couple of weeks' time. Montoya is, uh, is brilliant with his chips. I'm, I'm loving, <laughs> well, I'm loving the, the South African he, he whips out there. He tore Jamie Ritchie to shreds. Like, I actually, I looked at him now and this... <laughs> captain's photo and i'm like i can't respect you the same that i did like <laughs> Motoja just told you that you are just nothing to him oh man he he did eh? and the best part is wasn't that richie's first game captaining or his first big, big game and as captain or whatever the case may be and you can just see that richie was like blah 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 he was like on top of the food chain in his world and Matoya's like, it's coming, buddy. You're, the, the fall is coming. So I'm just going to sit here and wait for it because you've given me all the ammo. And I'm just going to load everything. And then when you fall, I'm going to kick you when you're down. And boom, <laughs> you fell. And he was like, off you go, buddy. Didn't he tell him he's like, like go head off or something? That's not how you yeah, captain or something like that. That's how you – he sent his yellow card was his first contribution to the game. Which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> quite cutting. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So the last thing I want to ask Cooks about, and um, sure, just to update you, um, Cooks has predicted that Leinster will run away with the with the Champions Cup. Um, I don't know if you have any reaction run to that. Run away. Oof, that's he said it's an easy game. You'll just, they'll just put 50 on everyone. <laughs> with Ross Bird. Mm. Wow. That's <laughs> interesting. Um, I... I'm interested to see what will happen when Leinster are under pressure and that's only going to come in a few games time. So we'll only be able to see it then. However, Leinster are that one side along with the Crusaders of that era and the Saracens of that era that you know that if they can train a level above under pressure, even though they're absolutely killing everyone, they will train in that level of what happens if we played against ourselves and we were put under pressure. 
Leinster probably that side. But being a World Cup year and all, with how players are managed and what is going on, I don't think that they're going to have it all their own way. Let's see what happens. And then Cook's the last question is, have you bought your tickets yet for Lions versus Racing in Johannesburg? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. But um, I'm, I need to, I'm cancelling everything on that day. Um, I need, I'm, I'm going to all the practices or race. <laughs> if race, if Quinn Russell's not playing that weekend, there's going to be, oh, there's, you think, you thought know, I was angry with the test match on a Thursday. You will see an, 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 <laughs> levels of anger. All I can get, I love, oh, I, we need I love to the way, I love the way you say Thursday, specifically when referring to that test match, because the way that you pronounce Thursday is completely different to a regular <laughs> way you pronounce yeah. Thursday. Thursday, and it's and we know exactly it's about the test match. But do you know, I have bad, I have bad news for you. It's a Challenge Cup game, and I have a funny feeling Rusting are going to be sending the Espoirs through. And you, and oh. you, you are probably closer to Finn Russell now than you will be when during that game in Johannesburg. Finn you Russell's toddlers to coming to that game, not Finn Russell. And the worst part <laughs> is like, like I, I don't know what I did to the rugby gods. Like you, you, you tell. Like, I've been fighting the Finn Russell fight on my own and then now like he's going to be <laughs> racing he's going to be in Joburg and, and he's not going to be there at least come and like, be the water boy I've got my phone ready I've got cameras ready I've got video cameras ready I need pictures I need videos I just need to see Finn Russell I don't think I'll see the game because I think like you throw one pause I'll probably just like fight and you just like wake up and like, <laughs> like you missed the entire game and, and the match is over Finn Russell the match is over <laughs> I feel like I need to go on my so, own actually like I'll be in tears. I'll be, I'm going to buy like three tickets, yeah, three seats. Like I'll sit in the middle, like say the other two and just be like, I need to enjoy this. I need to, just in case I cry or just anything happens. <laughs> Sean, didn't you say um, Supersport will definitely like um, allocate him some sort of like rugby yeah, derby or something like that? No, you're the, the Yuxke world champs in Kimberley. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's actually on that weekend. Cooks is, Cooks, sure. that's his, that's his first, that's his like, his 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 step up into into the big time of of like he's, he's going to be running everything. He's going to be running the whole show. Like he's going to be uh, producing it. He's going to be the, running interviews and podcasts. He's even going to have a say. You know what I mean? Like one of those situations. I really I don't know what I'm talking about. So anyone involved in the industry, I sound like an idiot. So I apologize. But you know, Cooks is going to be. He's going to have like. He's going to have budget to put like the most micro cameras on, on little places. So he's going to get the most unseen footage of Yuxke ever, ever known to man. And that's actually uh, on the same the weekend. It, it, it will happen. It, 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 there's, there's like an 80% said, whatever. I actually think I just like, as this pod, podcast ends, I'm going to send a mail to work and be like, whatever happens, can I be I'm in Jova? Can I be, can I get tickets first and foremost? Like, can I get tickets where I'm allowed to sit on the halfway line with Finn Russell to kick off? Like, he's going to bounce the ball like next to me. Like, he's like, like, he's going to be like, can you please move? So I get to kick off. I'm like, hey, man, I bought these seats. I can't move. You can kick around me. Like, that's, that's the sort of tickets I've, I need. I have an even worse situation for you, mate. What's what that? happens Don't... if, like, there's something going on in Joburg and oh, you are literally standing next to Ellis Park while the game is on? And you can't even hear it because you're I'm busy in working in the, I'm in the B field. <laughs> on the B field. <laughs> yeah. Covering, I think covering the under nine superstar that's going to be like <laughs> world player of the year in 2041 or something. 
Sean, like, I, don't, I, I don't know what I did to you. I don't know why you're trying to describe the most amount of pain. For me, it's like, <laughs> then, I could, then I could go. Or, or, or like, it could be like, yeah, I, I, I could be away for work. And then, and then as I get to the office, I'm like, oh, by the way, Phil Russell was here. He did a press conference. You just missed it. Or your flight is delayed and, you, and you, then you miss it. Your Uber, Hold. your Uber's like giving you the middle finger. I would probably be arrested from that flight because I caused them mayhem. We'll sort something out for you. We we make plans. We we make we make it happen. Of course, okay, so but is it? But wait, guys, before we go, I'll tell you a funny. Which one? You, Tyler, you mentioned the penalty count in the in the Sharks game. I'll tell you a funny story that happened last year. Um, a friend of mine at Woodridge coaches the Woodridge and the Third Nasa. So they played against Kingswood in Grahamstown. So the penalty count, so obviously Woodridge lost a third and A's, Brandon Myers on a third and A's. The penalty count was 14 to Woodridge and zero to Kingswood. They went through an entire game without conceding a single penalty. Not one <laughs> penalty. Oh my wow. word. That is... by, the way, by the way, the ref was a Kingswood um, Of course. <laughs> That's, That's classic schoolboard rugby. Classic schoolboy right That is incredible discipline. That's the opposite of what the Sharks did. The Sharks did to find that tape of that game and then like ask them to stay in the 13s and, and, be like, and be like, listen, this is how you prevent giving away 18 penalties. We, we, we didn't give away a single one. So Sharks, please learn from us. <laughs> so you need must... to get that coach from Kingswood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I must, um, I must tell you, I know I popped it on the group. Um, but I, I've been uh, I've been listening to this podcast today from Bloke in a Bar where he's interviewing Quake Cooper. Now, Bloke in the Bar, I'm not too familiar with him because um, he he runs um, NRL stuff. So uh, uh, we obviously South Africans uh, and league we we like oil and water most of the time. I know we have a national side, but league is not something that we're all very much familiar with. But Quake Cooper's interviewed. Uh, it's a, it's an incredible podcast. Um, like. Just on the thing, I'm uh, straight up. I'm I'm quite a big fan of Quay Cooper. I love I love what he brings to the game. Uh, I've followed him on social media channels for as long as I possibly can. But I've always I've always thought there was something more to it, and and there's more things happening. And that whole Richie McCaw incidents, and and you know, he goes through his whole life story of what happened, why it happened, and he's brutally honest about the decisions he made, but also what he was thinking at the time of that. Richie McCaw incident of what happened, the decisions he made when he had to, when he, when he left Queensland and all that sort of stuff. So, so please go listen. But the one thing he does talk about when you talk about like a team and you've got to play like this to do something different, like not concede penalties. He talks about playing club rugby in Australia and how the coach decided that they will, will not, they'll keep the ball live. They will not rack. So essentially what, he, what they did is they worked out that they were, about 50 rucks a game or something like that in, 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 in their club league. And they were like, we need to work this as low as possible. And he said that what it did was when there's a ruck, it allows defend, it allows teams to set up defense because everything is like, what do you do at a ruck? You have a pillar and a post and you fan out and you do this and you do that and you work out on what the pods are coming and what's happening. He said, but what they did was they reduced rucks. So they always look for the offload. They always look to keep the ball alive. And therefore, absolutely destroy the defensive setup of the opposition. And he said that they were scoring regularly 40 to 50 points a game because the other team were A, tired, and B, just didn't have any idea defensively. 
That is that, that is so crazy. I think um, Greg Cooper should become a coach. I mean, that's the way to go now. Mate, I would love it. I'm sorry, but you must listen to this podcast. It's Bloke in a Bar, Quaid Cooper. We shared it on 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 Rugby Bits, and I put it in the um, uh, put it in in our in our WhatsApp group. And I know we spoke about it beforehand. Just listen to it. Listen to the honesty. Listen to the decisions that he's made and what he thinks about them and his motivation. It's mind blowing. He will be a great coach. I think he'll be a great people person. But I think he also sees parts of the game that many other people don't see and he's got the skills to execute as well yeah i think that's yeah that's that's very good um product for that and i think he has a lot of homework um to trackers because you also have that um that uh, bbc rugby show podcast to listen to danny k moan about the georgian referee as well um we will wrap it up there <laughs> thank you so much um uh, Sean and, and Cooks for, for joining. I think we have wrapped up a lot of good rugby this week and we are also excited to let you know that we are trying to start our Six Nations um, series on, on on the individual teams and the build-up for the Six Nations. So hopefully we'll be releasing those podcasts during the course of the next few days and weeks. And thank you so much to everyone listening to the Rugby Bits podcast. Please subscribe and drop a five-star rating or like the podcast or share it with you, with everyone so that we can Share this with the rest of the rugby world. We will see you in the next next podcast. Bye-bye. Cheers, everyone.